Welcome to the DevOps Mastery Podcast. We're here to get you from where you are today to being a DevOps master by helping you cut the learning curve down into manageable pieces. So without any further delay, let's get going. Now, where did I put that machete? Hello and welcome to another DevOpsMastery.com podcast. My name is Brian Wagner. With me over there on the other microphone is... Jason. Hi, Jay. I don't like to say my last name. It's fine. <laughs> Be hidden. Secretive. Hey, Jason, this week we're going to talk about configuration management tools. And not any one specific tool, because that would be that would be rude. Right. We don't want to single out a tool, wanna, make them feel weird. We don't want, yeah, we don't want to. We don't want to make anybody feel like they're left out. Actually, is more what I'm worried about. Um, configuration tools are are definitely plentiful. And how do we choose? And like, what do we do? And how do I evaluate which tool will work for which companies? Because I get asked to do that a lot. That's kind of my job. So right. So that would make sense. That would make sense. That's what you do as a consultant. You tell people what they should do, and then you help them implement it. Hopefully. So, uh, but before we get on to our uh, topic of the day, let's remind everybody that we live on their feedback. Mm-hmm. That's how we pick this uh, storyline and story run that we're doing here that's mm-hmm. three or four weeks running. Uh, somebody actually suggested that I uh, move that up to the top of my list. And so I did because I was always planning to do tools, but everybody pushed me to do that. So the way that you can give me that feedback is you can email me at feedback at podcast, <laughs> podcast mastery. No. Blah, 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 blah. Feedback at devopsmastery.com. Or you can uh, hit us up on Twitter. We're devopsmaster on Twitter. And, of course, we have devopsmaster.com pages on both Google Plus and Facebook. And then don't forget, the best way to give us feedback, the way we enjoy the most, is when you give us positive feedback. So like a five-star rating. Right. That's that's where my mind went. Five-star rating on iTunes would be awesome. Yeah. Or Stitcher. Stitcher's good. Lots of people following us on Stitcher and adding us to their lists. I of, hear your uh, chair. Stuff. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, so lots of people following us on on that, on the Stitcher, on Potter, or wherever you find fine podcasts. Did you say iTunes? I did say iTunes. Okay. Don't forget iTunes. Don't ever forget iTunes. So let's move on with our uh, topic of the day, shall we? Yeah. All right. Change management tools, or I'm sorry, configuration management, not change management. Change management tools is a whole different type of podcast. Um, configuration management tools, that's the DevOps tool. Are you it's sure? Configuration management, I'm sure this time. Uh, that is the topic of the day, and uh, they are extremely plentiful. There are tons of different options, plenty of different ways that you can go with it. Uh, they are from as simple as just scripting libraries that you can use to as complex as a full on service that runs on each machine that has, you know, that service is an agent. Those agents that run with the service there to connect and communicate back. And it's really sometimes it's hard to choose because there's paid options. There's free, free or not really free, but open source options. I hate saying free options because they're not really free because there's still a cost to implementing them. Mm-hmm. They may not cost you any money up front, but there's definitely a cost to implementing them. Not that there isn't for the top or for the, yeah, the top paid ones either, the, the ones that are the best, but you know, there's always a hidden wetware cost too. There's a very big wetware cost for all of these tools. Um, <coughs> Bless you. Thank you. So when I'm evaluating these tools in this class, I look for the following things. Is it OS restricted? So if I need to manage Windows machines and the tool only supports Linux, it's not really in the running. It's not a choice. 
Vice versa is also a thing. You know, SCCM is an awesome Windows tool. It's not real good for deploying anything else, but it's really good at deploying Windows. And if you're just a Windows shop, then that's where you should be going. That's what you, it should be probably top on your list. I then look at, um, does it support the application platforms that we need to do? This one gets to be a little bit trickier and generally only comes into play more with enterprise things. It's more of a large enterprise problem because you'd start deploying, uh, paid for application servers like WebSphere or WebLogic from WebSphere from IBM or BEAs slash Red Hat's um, WebLogic. Are you, um, are you going to have to deploy those things? If you are, then, then that needs to be part of your process. There probably isn't something specific to your tool of choice, whatever that tool is, but there'll be some tools that may have plugins or better management capabilities tied to it. If you're using, you're talking about something like Chef, Chef has a whole bunch of stuff for all kinds of proprietary tools because they've written cookbooks on how to deploy those. So that may be part of your decision. The next part is, can I write and how easy is it to write custom scripts? If I have a team that can or is willing to learn how to write the scripts, um, we can fill a whole bunch of missing pieces in by writing our own tools. My team used a mix of tools at Westfield when we were developing that. And some of the tools we custom wrote and some of the tools were already supplied for us um, as far as for managing our, our systems. Next is how much OS needs to be in place before I can start using it. So will the solution be able to take me from bare metal? Obviously that means no OS and nothing on there up to fully installed and configured? Or does it require that I have at least some basic level of an operating system before we move forward? Which one is it going to be? Which way is it going to be? Uh, like we talked in the last podcast, each of them can be either agent-based, agentless, or hybrid, some combination of both. I tend to lead towards agentless or hybrid solutions because it removes the, requir- the requirement to monitor and or restart the agent itself if the agent should fail. You can actually have the tool do that monitoring for you. You don't have to worry about whether or not you can. You know, when you go to, when you go every 90 days to reset the root password and it's at that point that you discover 40 of the dev servers don't have the agent running anymore because you know, the developers did what developers are supposed to do in a development environment and they developed and they broke things and Hey, part of what they broke also broke your stuff. Figures. It happens. That's what it's well, but that's what devs for. And I'd rather them break it there than bring it somewhere else. I uh, like production. Mm-hmm. The next question that I ask is, does the tool have a DSL? A DSL is a domain specific language, or does it use some standard method for describing the work that's going to be done? Everybody is sort of, kind of, but not really coming into the same types of, of configuration files for, for the configuration tools, but they aren't there yet. There isn't really a standard of a standard format that you can use that mm-hmm. you can interoperate between them, mostly because the tools operate so differently. So it's, it's just too hard. There wouldn't be a real good, clear way to do it. Um, the more dependent it is and the more obscure the domain specific languages, the harder the learning curve is going to be for your team. So the more, I want to say non-standard, you know, DSLs that don't use something like YAML or XML, some format that's completely proprietary, those are going to be harder to, to use in the long run. So while this first list that I go through doesn't really eliminate anyone, it does definitely, well, it might eliminate, the OS one might eliminate you. So like SCCM trying to deploy Linux wouldn't, wouldn't necessarily be your first choice. But for the most part, um, the list just helps you narrow it down. So it, it helps you take off the parts that are really 
not going to work. There's no way they're going to work. And leave you with a list of things that might work that you need to do some more investigation on. Um, some of the other things that you want to take into account is if you need to roll out a large number of machines, say for a disaster recovery drill, parts and questions of those may be more important than others. For instance, does it go from bare metal to fully configured? If you have to do large scale discover, or uh, I'm sorry, disaster recovery drills like this and you can't just use a templated OS, then a tool that does, does bare metal to fully implement it is what you pretty much have to choose. Or you don't have to, but it, it's what would be advisable to choose, unless there's some other reason not to. But the other thing to remember is that absolutely, without a doubt, I can tell you right now, no one solution will be a 100% fit for your environment. Somebody's going to have some reason why it doesn't work, or it won't work, which probably will never not work. But you know, they'll feel like it doesn't, and it'll be harder to motivate people to get them to do things. Um, and there's going to need to be trade-offs, and everybody has to understand what those trade-offs are. Most trade-offs for most of these solutions that I'm going to talk about in my chart on this page are going to uh, provide some level of scripting where you can customize and build your own things that are that are custom to your environment. Because they can't, none of these tools can know what your application that your team wrote internally is going to ever be able to do. Um, also, something to think about with that before I move on is... Um, with that bare metal to fully configured thing, that also comes into play if you're trying to manage large numbers of, say, workstations and computers. You may actually end up with multiple tools because you may end up with one tool that's really good for the website, but you need a second tool that's really good for workstations because you just decide you can't do that. Now, that's not an unreasonable thing to do, but it's something that you need to be aware of. You may have to split those out. It kind of depends. If you're a Windows desktop shop, but a Linux application deployment shop, then you may not have one tool that fits all. So be ready for it and don't, don't get too critical on yourselves if you can't find the right solution or a single solution. So how the tools work is also really important because it helps you figure out how are you going to scale and grow them as your business grows or as your deployment grows, how are you going to bring that up so that you can, you can do that? Can you set up more than one master server for the configuration management? So that you can do things like load balancing, or at least at the bare minimum, do failovers so that you have a second server if the first server needs to be restarted for some reason. Um, there's nothing worse than a full, fully deployed management tool with no management server. It renders, difficult. Yeah. renders all of your hard work really <sighs> up in smoke, up in smoke really fast. Um, and then some other things to think about is what happens if the configuration management tool can't talk to the server for whatever reason. So let's say um, you're doing maintenance on the management server for four hours. It's a really big database update, and it's going to take you a lot of time. How is the tool going to manage that situation? Is it going to manage it? So if you're using an agent-less system, well, no changes to the configuration are going to be able to be made, but that would work that way with an agent or hybrid system too. But... You're also not going to be able to make sure that somebody doesn't change something and, you know, maybe unlock a secured dev server or something like that by not, by changing the configuration that's already there. So an agent-based system in that situation would work better, for, would work if that's one of your requirements. Um, does the server alert and log that it can't connect to the remote machines or does it just go happily along? Like, does it just sit there and go, oh, well, I just haven't gotten data? S something that you really want to ask. And you want to do that. So once I've figured out the tools that I want to look at, 
and my critical items have been listed out, I usually take and, and list the applications down one column and I list all my critical questions across the other one. And then I try to rank them. Um, I'm going to have a, an example spreadsheet embedded in the article. So you'll have to go to the, to the website to see that. Um, in there, I'm going to do something for my original company website, which is yxworld.com. And I'm going to create a fictitious company around that. And I'm going to list the items that we're looking for. One thing to remember is it's very often not a yes or no answer to the question. There may be some level that it supports stuff. For instance, scripting and writing your own modules. That can tend to be a very variable thing. Some people make it really easy. Some people make it hard. Um, some people don't support it at all. So, you know, those types of things will, will let you help you refine your ranking and then take the ones that you've narrowed it down to to an even smaller list. Um, if you're a small company, Working with Linux-based systems, any of the open source tools should be more than enough to get you get, to get you by. Small companies with Windows systems will have a slightly harder time finding a tool, um, but that's only because the open source solutions are just now starting to really go after doing Microsoft stuff. Um, there are other paid-for tools around the Microsoft environment. One that comes to mind is the IBM Endpoint Manager tool. For a small company, it's a very cost-effective tool. It's probably only a couple hundred dollars, um, maybe a couple thousand dollars, plus a little bit to get it installed, maybe another couple thousand dollars. And you can manage all of your workstations and servers, Linux or Windows, um, from that one tool. So it, it gives you a lot of, a lot of bang for the buck. Nice. So, you know, look for those types of tools. Finally, my bottom line, take your time and do your research. Don't spend too much time. We talked about on one of the recent podcasts, we were talking about paralysis through analysis. Don't let yourself fall into that trap. That's Cut right. yourself off. Give yourself a deadline. Make yourself do the research or it'll never get done. Um, make sure that you have a list and make sure that that list can be done of your, you know, the list of the very minimum things that you have to have. What are your absolute must haves? And make sure that, that the tools that you're looking at and you're narrowing down to and eventually choosing will actually meet those, those needs. Make sure that you understand that it will take time to extend its operations. No tool is going to be perfect. You're going to have to do some configuration stuff on your own for the configuration tool. And you're also going to have to do some custom scripting probably. When you get it down to the last one or two, definitely take the time and build out a small lab. And especially if you're going to pay for a tool before you spend any money, get them to help you stand up a demo and show you how the tool is going to actually work. And then last but not least, be ready to invest in training. If it's available for two or more people to get available, if training is available for two or more people to get familiar with the tool, that's two or more people that can start advocating and start pushing and training other people how to use the tool. So you generally don't want to start off a tool with less than two people because, well, there's the infamous hit by a bus theory. And since these tools are all becoming really, really popular, sniping, uh, staff from each other, from companies that know that people, you know, XYZ company uses this tool too. Right. They have a decent deployment of it. We should maybe go snipe that person or pull somebody over because, you know, our company's better than their company. Dog eat dog world. There you go. The whole thing that the dot com companies were getting in trouble for because they were blocking, agreeing that they weren't going to do. Right. So, so that pretty much wraps it up. Like I said, take a look at the chart. I, I did some. 
I did a chart and I and I gave you a cool little spreadsheet to look at just to see how I do it with one. There is no hard, fast rules or, or set things. What is important to each company is different. Every time I do one of these spreadsheets, it's different. I might start off with the same list of software, but I pretty much knock off the ones I know aren't going to make it and drop the list pretty quickly. You should be down after your initial look through and reading without having to actually install anything or look at anything. You should be able to narrow your list down to three. Possibly two, probably two. If you can do it down to two, that's even better. But don't automatically throw something out just because you didn't read something. Make sure that you, you can almost always send support or sales teams questions and they will get you answers for the tools unless it's an open source project. And if it's an open source project, then you just go to the wiki or you post an IRC and you ask your question there and you get your answers that way. And then you can get them from Brian. Sure. If it's a tool that I support. Yes, I don't support them all, so I've used a lot of them, mm-hmm. a lot of them, mostly to try it out and test it on my own systems. Because you I, never know. Yeah. I have some articles out on LinuxInstall.net if you're looking for open source tools that you can see some of my mm-hmm. reviews of the, of the tools that I've put articles on. Not as many as I wanted to, but I do. But that does it for this week. Sound good? Yeah. Did you have any questions? No, I did not. You okay. explained that pretty well, I thought. Thanks. So, once again, don't forget to rate us on iTunes, Stitcher, G Potter, or wherever you found amazing podcasts like ours, because that's what we live on. We love getting your feedback. So please give it to us over at DevOps Master on Twitter or on Google Plus or the Facebook page for DevOpsMastery.com. And last but not least, the old standby, if you just want to hide from all of that social goodness, you can send us an email. Woohoo! Feedback at DevOpsMastery.com. Thanks a lot for listening this week. Have a nice week. Great week. Thanks again for listening to the DevOps Mastery Podcast. We really appreciate you taking a little bit of time out of your day to listen to what we have to say about DevOps. All of the content in this podcast is copywritten by Brian Wagner, his co-hosts and guests, and of course, DevOpsMastery.com. The music that you're hearing right now and we heard in the intro is copyrighted by Daryl Allen. And again, we look forward to hearing from you, so don't forget to send us some feedback at feedback at devopsmastery.com. Have a nice week, everybody.